Good morning. Will y'all join Brother Jason here and will you stand? <laughs> yes, let's sing From the Day He Saved My Soul. Thank you so much, worship team. Good afternoon. Good morning, everybody. 
Kavanaugh Church family, it's so good to see you guys today. Uh, awesome to have you here. We've been praying for you all week. We know that God has something in store and something special for us here today. Um, and it's great to see you guys. If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining our joining us here this Sunday morning. Uh, we love it here and everything that's going on, and we want to make sure that you know all about it. So in the chair in front of you, there is a Connect card. We want to make sure that you get that, you fill that out, and then right after service, you take it out these back doors. There's a Connect counter there. If you could, turn it in there. we got a gift for you. We can answer any questions about our church, where we come from, what we believe, where you and your family could uh, plug in at, and uh, how you all can fit in. So we would love to meet you guys there as well after service. But it's a special day, and uh, as, it, as it is every Sunday, worshiping our King of Kings and our Savior, and we want, and again, we're so thankful that you're here. I invite you all to stand. We're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for bringing us all back together here at Kavanaugh. We love this place, and uh, again, we're so glad that we're able to come and be able to worship you here, God. As we sit at your feet today, and as the word is preached, God, I pray that our hearts are very attentive to what you have for us, God. Help us to be able to grow and develop as believers, God, as your kids, and we want to be that light to this world that desperately needs you, God. So in this room, back in our children's area, and across our campus as there are classes that are taking place, God, thrive, um, and thrive among us, God, as your people. And uh, help us be the people that you want us to be. We love you. In your name. Amen. Greet those around you. We'll get started in a couple of moments.
song never gets old. Love, 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 singing to my king. Amen. Amen. Just singing his praises. We have so much to be thankful for, guys. Whew. All right. This next song is I Belong to God. And I think um, all of you would probably agree that in the times that we're in, this world is just uh, so confused. So confused. And um, I think if you say that you're a Christian and you put on that jersey and his name is on your back, then you draw a line in the sand and you say, this is what I believe, this is who I am, and we live like we say we believe. There's no wishy-washy, right? There's no straddle in the fence. It's, it's time more than ever that if you claim Christ as your king, then you act it, you live it, and you speak that way. Even in situations, and it's easy in here, and I know that when you're in the workplace and out in the real world, as we say, um, it gets hard. And sometimes you're put in an awkward situation where you may be the only one in the room. And I say, stand up. Stand up and own it. Claim that name that's on your back. And just say, hey, I don't, yeah, the darkness doesn't own me anymore. I belong to God. Will you sing it with us?
just your name, El Roy, says that you're the God who sees. So you know us, you know right where we are, you know everything that's going on in our lives, you know what every person in this room is dealing with, you know who's here, you call us by name. Lord, that's the God that we serve. So we look to you today and we ask for the miracle working power in our lives. I just pray that you will just pour it out on us and that we would be open to receive your healing and your help 
and your break from addiction, your break from depression or whatever it is that's holding us back, God, that you would just release that today. Chains would break and that we call on your name. We love you and God, it is good to give you praise in this place. We lift up your name. In your name I pray, amen. Give them a big old hand. They do a great job. We appreciate them. Appreciate them leading us in worship. What a good day it is to be in God's house. Sing praises to his name and now hear from his word. I'm in a series entitled Big Promises from a Big, Big God. 7,487 promises in the Bible from God to mankind. We've looked at four of them. Today is going to be number five. I've, uh, I've, I've done some math. That means we have 7,482 to go. So I might just keep preaching this until I die. How's that, how's that sound? Big promises from a big God. The four promises we've looked at so far include this. God's answer to your despair. God's answer to your guilt. God's answer to your fear. And last week, we looked at God's answer to your temptation. Today, we're going to talk about God's answer to your failure because chances are at one time or another your life has been in a mess and maybe it's in a mess today maybe there's more trouble than there is peace maybe there's more chaos than there is sanity maybe maybe your life is broken fragmented and in pieces I've, I've got good news for you today you don't have to live like that. God has an answer to your problem. It is a huge promise from God, and it comes from one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. It's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I'm going to read it out in two different translations because it, it kind of opens your mind and your perspective on what God is saying from these two different translations. The first is out of the... Christian Standard Bible, it reads this way, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Okay, So God is saying this, I know the plans I have for you, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. What a great promise. God's got a good plan for you even though your life is in a mess, all right? The second is out of the New King James Version. This translation says it like this, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Lord, thank you for this awesome promise found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I pray, dear Lord, that as we exegete it and look at it, your spirit would speak life into our hearts, change the way we think. I pray that you would conform our 
mind, our thinking, our being into the Holy Spirit's. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would free us from the bondage that we are in today. I love you so much, Jesus. I commit this verse to you and this sermon to you. I pray that you would speak it with force into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Most of us know this verse because we've seen it on signs or posters, even printed on t-shirts. You may have a magnet with this verse on it, or the coffee cup that you drink out of in the morning may have these verses, this verse printed on them. Maybe you've used this verse to share with a friend or family member who is going through a difficult time, or maybe you have bought a graduation card with the words inscribed on the cover. For, for many people, this verse is the only verse they know from the book of Jeremiah. <laughs> But what a great verse it is. How popular is Jeremiah 29, 11? Well, just a couple of years ago, it was the most popular verse on Bible Gateway, coming in at number one out of two billion total page views. However, you're never going to fully understand this verse unless you know something of its background. Every verse in the Bible comes with context. There's, there's something going on for God to be able to say this wonderful promise in verse 11. And this is the context. It was written to the Jewish exiles in Babylon who had been forcefully removed from Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar. He came over and conquered the land. He took these Jews and uprooted them from everything they held dear. Now they lived hundreds of miles away from home. They were in the, the home of worldly pomp and pagan idol worship. All of their dreams and hopes for the future had been smashed. And they were wondering, how could God have allowed this to happen? If we truly are the people of God, how did we ever end up here? They wondered if God had forgotten them. Bottom line, and to finish that story is no, God had not forgotten them, but they had forgotten God. And because of their rebellion and their sin, God was disciplining them, and he allowed King Nebuchadnezzar to take them to Babylon. As we think about this beloved verse, I want you to keep two things in mind. Number one, God will not always do what you expect him to do. And the sooner we figure that out, the better off we're going to be. We see things, we see the world through our own limited perspective. And when, when we find ourselves in trouble, when we have made a mess of our life, when, when our life is before us in pieces, all we can think of is how to tell God to put it back together. We want to instruct God on, on making things right in our life. What we don't understand is the big picture. God, God sees more than just us and our little trouble. He sees everyone around us because if your life is a mess, chances are other people are involved in that mess. And so God may be using this mess of yours to teach them or train them or do something new in their life. He's certainly doing something in your life. And so God is not always going to respond to your problems like you want him to. Second thing you need to keep in mind is this. 
He will always do what he said he will do. And even though he doesn't act towards us like we want him to, God is always going to do the right thing and he will always do what he said he would do. With that as a background, let's consider three tremendous truths from Jeremiah 29, 11. Are you ready? I mean, man, dude, I, you need to be on the edge of your seat because this is a great, great verse. Truth number one is this. God thinks about you all the time. God thinks about you all the time. That may be the most important statement that you will ever hear. The God of the universe is thinking about you this very moment. The God who created ex nihilo, which means he created something out of nothing. The God who created everything that we see and don't see, and not only that, holds it together in the palm of his hand, that same God is thinking about you. He knows who we are. He knows where we are. Not for one second are we ever lost or forgotten by him. Yeah, we need more than just two amens on that. That is amen worthy. Because you know what? We, we don't always think about each other like we should, do we? I mean, how many of you forget? Sure, we forget names. We forget addresses and phone numbers. We forget birthdays and anniversaries and graduations. Did y'all even know that this past Wednesday was Valentine's Day? If, if you were in this room, man, we, we, we overdid it on Love Day. <laughs> Love was in the air, right? What a great celebration. I, I heard about this guy, though, just this past week. He had forgotten all about Valentine's Day. And so he was in his truck driving to work Wednesday morning, and he heard the, on the radio something about Valentine's Day. He thought, oh, my lambs, I've forgotten. This is Valentine's Day. And so he stopped at like a Dollar General or a Walgreens and went in to buy a card and some candy. What blew him away was the number of men just like him desperately doing the same thing in that. Why? Because we forget. Just, just this past week, a, a church member asked me, Preacher, how do you remember everybody's name? Our, our church is, is big and it's getting bigger. How do you remember everybody's name? And I confessed to him that I don't. <laughs> I forget names and addresses and phone numbers just as quickly as you do. And if I don't write it down, if I don't at the beginning of the year go through my calendar and write down all of my kids' birthday and my grandkids' birthday and my own anniversary, you know what? I forget. How about you? Most of us are better at remembering bad things than we are good things. Early in the coronavirus crisis, I remember hearing about this cruise ship called the Diamond Princess. It was quarantined just off the coast of Japan for, for weeks. And during that time, reporters contacted the, the people on board the ship through their cell phone, wanting to write stories about what it was like to be cooped up on a cruise ship. One reporter talked to a man by the name of Ellis Vincent. Ellis was a 76-year-old retired airline executive from Australia. He was on the cruise ship with his wife. 
And when asked how they were spending their time in the tiny little stateroom on the ship, Mr. Vincent made this comment about his wife. She is absolutely amazing. She has an excellent memory. She has been able to bring up every transgression that I have ever committed in our entire marriage, and I don't believe she's finished yet. (laughs) Amen? We we laugh about that because we all understand that situation, do we not? It, It is easy for us to focus on the faults, the failures, and the shortcomings of the people closest to us. But that is not what God does. When we confess our sins to Him, He is, listen to this, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. When we confess our sins, He forgives us of our sins. He casts them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to hold them against us in the future. Amen. God forgets our sins, but he remembers us. We actually do the opposite. We forget our friends, but we remember their sins. No wonder we're so messed up. Even though God has the whole world to run, he never forgets his children. God knows your face. God understands the pain that you're going through this very moment. God has captured every tear that has dropped out of your eye. God knows every hair on your head. In fact, he's got them numbered. This truth would have been an enormous encouragement to the Jews in captivity over in Babylon. God had just said to them in verse number 10, you'll be returning home. I'm going to let you go back home but not for 70 years. Wow. That meant they wouldn't be in Babylon forever. But can I tell you something? 70 years is a long time. God says, you think I have forgotten you? No, you need to remember, you're here because you forgot me. And it's true, I am punishing you because of your sin. But my punishment does not diminish my love and affection for you. You are forever in my thoughts. You are still my people. I have not forgotten you, and I love you. Wow. And I tell you, I I find great comfort in, in the following truth. God knows what he is thinking even when I don't know what he's thinking. Many times I have said, Lord, what in the world are you doing? Why is this happening to me? Life doesn't make sense. The good and the bad, the happy and the sad, it all gets jumbled together with no apparent rhyme or reason. Even if I say out loud to myself, I know God has a plan, that plan is rarely clear to me. But you know what? God knows what he is thinking. When his thoughts are hidden from me, God knows what he's thinking about me. And right now, God is looking at me and he's thinking about me. He's looking at you and he's thinking about you. He he knows what you're going through. 
He knows the problems you're facing at work. He knows the turmoil that is in your home. He knows the frustration of your finances. He knows the mess that your life might be in. He sees you and he knows you. And even if you have created that mess on your own, he still loves you. What a great promise. I know the thoughts I'm having for you. Never doubt the fact God sees and God knows. And God loves. But that's not all. There's even more encouraging truth in this verse. Number two, God's plans for us are good. God's plan for your life is a, is a good plan. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. It's not only enough to know that God is thinking about us. We need to know what God is thinking. And in this case, he makes it clear. He is thinking thoughts of peace and not of evil. The translators render this in in different ways. For example, the the ESV says, plans for your welfare and not for evil. The message says, plans to take care of you and not to abandon you. The New Living Translation says, plans for good and not for disaster. Let me do a quick time out and say this. This is is such a good truth. God's plan for your life, God's plan for you, is a whole lot better than the plan you can make up for yourself. Okay? Do we got that? God's plan for you is a whole lot better than, than whatever plan you might dream of. However, you will never properly understand Jeremiah 29, 11 if you think that this verse is a divine rabbit's foot to protect you from pain and to keep you from suffering. Remember that this verse was given to the Jews who were in exile, who were in captivity, to give them hope that their time in Babylon would not last forever. It is not, this verse is not a get out of Babylon free card. It's God's way of saying, I still love you, even though the Even though you've acted badly, even though you've blown it, I still have great plans for you in the future, but the future starts today, not 70 years from now. So let's make sure we understand this. God is thinking about you right now. Your life is a mess. It's it's in pieces. You you don't think God could ever use you again. You, You don't think your life is worth anything right now because you've wrecked it. You've messed it up. And God is saying, no. I am able to take all of those fragmented pieces of your life and put them back together and I can do it in a way that the end result, my plan for your life is a whole lot better than you've ever dreamed of or ever imagined in the first place. I can imagine somebody asking, but preacher, what about when we mess up? What about when we sin? Does God still love us when we sin? That's a pretty good question because all of us sin. Some of you more than you recognize or know. We're not as good as we think we are and we're worse than we know we are. How does Jeremiah 29, 11 help us when we blow it big time? 
Well, even when we sin, God does not think evil towards us because that goes against his nature. God still loves you. Look at me, even Christians, look at me. If you're living in sin right now, if you're living in disobedience to God's word, the good news is God still loves you. His love for you has not changed. He doesn't approve of the lifestyle you're living. And he is going to judge that. He is going to do something about that. He is going to discipline you. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. He loves you. On the other hand, the devil is going to come and whisper in your ear, well, you're rotten. You're no good for nothing. You're a bum. And when the devil whispers that in your ear, you can say back to him, you know what, devil, you're right. I am a bum. (laughs) But God still loves me. And God cannot think evil of me. Even when we suffer because our sin, God intends to bring us to repentance and to healing. God still loves you even when you sin. You see, that's what grace is all about. Grace that only works when we're we're good is no grace at all. We need, listen to me, we need a grace that is running towards us when we have acted stupidly for 409 times. You say, where'd you come up with 409? I'll say it like this. We need 70 times 7 grace. Y'all remember that? Jesus used that little equation, 70 times 7, forgiving other people. You know why? Because that's, that's how many times God forgives you. There's no limit to it. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. Even when we mess up, God's got a plan for our life. How do I know that? Because I've read this book from cover to cover. This book is, it's just story after story about people just like you and me. Good people, sometimes bad people, but people who act like people. And you know what people do? People mess up. They mess their life up. It's what the Bible's all about. Story after story. People people who mess up. But God has the ability, because he loves you so much, to pick up all those pieces and put it back together and come up, listen to me, come up with a great plan for your life. God's got a plan for you. God could never, preacher, God could never use me. Uh Uh-uh, he can. He's used the rest of us. I mean, he's used me. I know you think I'm perfect. I know you think that. (laughs) You just spend a little time with my mom and dad or my wife or even my kids. They'll tell you I'm far from perfect. I'm a messed up guy that somehow or another God has put back together and through his grace has come up with a pretty good plan. And if he did it for me, let me tell you, he can do it for you. Even when we mess up, God's got a plan for our life. We all know that's true, but but sometimes we forget it when life falls apart, don't we? And that brings me to number three, my final truth. God intends to give us a hope 
filled future. I love the way this verse ends. To give you a future and a hope. The, the old King James translation says this. To give you an expected end. Process that. It's a pretty good translation. To give you an expected end. God is not just giving a vague promise that things are going to be better sometime, somewhere, somehow along the yellow brick road. But that is true, of course. But this verse has a specific focus. God has an appointed end for his people. And nothing will hinder them from reaching that appointed end. Seventy years down the road, the same God who raised up a pagan king named Nebuchadnezzar, who judged the people of God and took them into exile, seventy years later, that same God rose to power another pagan king whose name was Cyrus, and Cyrus delivered God's people and let them go home. Neither pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar or Cyrus, was aware of his part in God's plan. Each man acted according to his own free will, and God worked through those kingly decisions to bring his people home. Can I tell you something? The Lord has no unfinished plans. If God starts something, he's going to finish something. And that includes sending his people to Babylon, keeping them there for 70 years, and then bringing them home once again, just like he said he would. Seen in this light, Jeremiah 29, 11 becomes a great comfort, especially when we're going through hard times. It, it teaches us that God thinks of us and that his thoughts towards us are good and that when his purposes have been completed, he will bring all of our troubles to their appointed end. He's got it all in control, man. This is our hope and this is our future. So what should we say in response to all of this? Well, our first and greatest need is to submit ourselves to our Heavenly Father and, and say something like this to Him. And hopefully you'll do that this morning. You'll say something like this. Lord, you see what is ahead of me even when I can't see it. You see light and darkness when I can't see any at all. You, you have a purpose even when my life seems to be going in circles. So I bow before you this morning and I say, blessed be the name of the Lord. My life is in your hands. I give you the steering wheel of my heart. <laughs> Because I know you have it in control. Really, in light of this verse, our position should be one of ever-increasing hope in the Lord. I will admit that's hard to do. It's hard to trust God when your life is falling apart, isn't it? It's hard to trust God when, you're, when your child is suffering from cancer. It's hard to trust God when your marriage is falling apart. It's hard to trust God when your career is dissolving in front of your eyes. We live in a fallen world, and we ourselves are fallen people. 
We're not, we're not what we could be or should be right now. And, and, and the world seems like it is in chaos. And no Bible verse can take away the pain of this world. However, Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 leads us out of the darkness and into the light. It does make a difference. What difference does being a Christian make in one's life? Well, I tell you this, because Jesus died and rose again, our two greatest enemies have been defeated by the blood of Jesus, and that is sin and death. Sin doesn't have a hold of me anymore. Death can't keep me in the grave because I believe in Jesus and he has conquered sin, hell, death, and the grave. He utterly defeated them. The Lord Jesus purchased us with his blood and he brought us into God's family, guaranteeing our salvation. No wonder the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And either we believe that or we don't believe that. If we don't believe it, you know what? We are bound to end up unhappy, frustrated, miserable, filled with doubts, given to anger, prone to seek quick fixes instead of waiting on the Lord. But if we do believe that, then we will wait patiently on the Lord because we know He's got us in His hand. And we know, listen to this, this will mess your brain up, we know that Babylon is better than Jerusalem because God is working in our lives. And we're just waiting for God to complete that work, to do what he's doing, to transform us, to change us, to conform us into the image of his son. And we know, we know that being in Babylon, being in this trouble, being in this oppression is sometimes better than being in Jerusalem because God is with us and God is working in us and God is changing us and God is going to make us better in the end than we were in the beginning and that God has a plan for our life and for our future. Church, listen, we, we need to remember we're not home yet. So fear not, child of God. No, no one knows what a day may bring. Who knows if we're going to make it through this day, this week. But I'm here to tell you, our God is faithful to keep every one of his promises. And absolutely nothing is going to happen to us except it first pass through the hands of our loving God. So if your way is dark, if right now your life is bleak, if right now you can't make sense of the chaos, keep on believing. Keep on trusting. Why? Because God is thinking about you. God, God, God sees you. God cares about what you're going through. He cares about what you're facing right now. God cares about you and he loves you. And he has a good plan for your life. You say, preacher, God could never use me. I've messed up too bad. No, you haven't. 
Not if you surrender everything to him. He'll make you better than you were before. Because, Freddie, it's all going to work out for our good. Because whatever he promised, he's going to do. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. We're, we're going to do something, we call it an invitation. We're going to invite you to come to these altars and to pray to Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You need to understand this promise only applies to God's children. So in order to, to claim this promise, you, you need to invite Jesus into your heart. It's not difficult to do. In fact, we, we say it's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus died for you. And C, confess Jesus as Lord of your life. If you've never done that, I, I plead with you to consider doing it and just come to the altar. We'll, we'll help you do it. Okay, we'll show you how to do it. If you're here this morning and, and you are a believer, but man, you know, <laughs> you know. You need that 70 times 7 grace. Well, let me tell you, it's here for you. Just come cry out to Jesus. He'll put the broken fragments back together. He'll, he'll, he'll show you his plan. He'll take care of you because he loves you. Lord, help us to, to have the freedom to come and pray this morning and help us to encourage one another to come and to pray. Do something amazing, and I know that you will, Jesus, for we've asked it in your name. Amen. Would you stand? And as you stand, just go ahead and step out. Jesus is here waiting on you, so come on right now. Come to Jesus. God is speaking to you. Come on right now. Just, just come on. Father, thank you for the words to that song. And 
And we want to act on those words today. We want to surrender everything to you. So Lord, we, we give you our lives, the broken fragments, lock, stock, and barrel, knowing that you love us, you care about us, you see us, you're thinking about us, and that, dear Lord, you've got a plan for our life. I pray to, that we would surrender to that plan and that we would do your will, that we would follow the path that you leave for us and that we would be faithful to the end. Lord, for those who are struggling with specific issues today, I pray victory over them. Help them to trust you and follow you. Bless this church as we pursue your will in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Amen. Hey, show up next Sunday. We've got another promise. Okay? Don't know which one. I got over 7,000 to pick from, so it'll be a good one. If you're a church member, make sure you drop your offering off in one of those black boxes. If you're a guest, fill out that Connect card that uh, Brother Nathan was talking about. And out these doors, we have a Connect counter. You can exchange that card for a gift. Wednesday night, we have our church business meeting. It's, a, it's our annual meeting. We only do one business meeting a year. It's this Wednesday night. So you will find on both the information table and the Connect counter uh, a little handout, a brochure, a pamphlet that has our church budget and also the nominations for church officers. Those are the two items we're going to be dealing with on Wednesday night. I, I ask that you take uh, one of those. If you're interested, peruse it, look at it. The budget has not changed very much from last year to this year. But if you do have a question about anything, uh, please come and ask myself or Brother Jason. You can ask Steve Jones, our board chairman, or any of our board members, and we would be happy to answer your question. I always say this every year. It's, it's better to answer your questions before the business meeting than at the business meeting, all right? So, so please ask questions. We don't hide anything at Kavanaugh Church. We'll answer any question that you have, and then come prepared to accept uh, the budget that the board has recommended and also the new officers for the church. I made mention in, in the first service, I don't know how many years this has gone on. I think about 40 years we have gone without a single no vote in any of our business meetings. That, can I tell you, that is absolutely amazing, okay? And what I do is just remind you, uh, we want to keep that record going, all right? So if you've got a question, ask us beforehand, all right? Uh, it's going to be just a, a great meeting. God's doing some awesome things at Kavanaugh Church. And even if you're not a member, if you're, if you're not a member, you can't vote at our business meeting. But you know what? You can, you can come and watch and observe and, and see, you know, just see what this church is really all about, all right? Uh, on Thursday night, ladies, raise your hand if you're a lady and you know it and you're proud of it and you're not ashamed to say I'm a lady. Bunko night for you. Wow. Okay, let me say that again. Ladies, bunko night, Thursday night. I don't guess Bunko went very good last time. I don't know. I thought it was a great event for you. It's going to be at 6 o'clock. It's going to be in the, uh, the uh, foyer of the church. Good time for you ladies. Uh, Saturday, men's prayer breakfast. That's at 7.30 a.m. On Friday and Saturday, Brother Johnny has taken the kiddos uh, to Camp Beaver Fork for a kid's retreat. If you don't know about that, you need to talk to Brother Johnny because your kids have probably already signed up for it. And... Uh, 
anyway. Saturday, our prime timers are going to go and eat. That's what they do. That's going to be at 3 p.m. So see Brother Ray or sign up for that. It's going to be a great time. I think that's about all I can say. Hope you have a great day. God bless you. You're loved. God loves you. Get out of here.